to the Our Village Needs podcast. Today we are going to speak to one of our local mums, Danny, and she's going to share her story with us. Um, so hi, Danny. Hi. Hello again. How are you going? Thank you for being open to sharing your story. I will just let you go. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. I have two sons, mm-hmm. um, an older boy, he's 10, mm-hmm. and now um, he's nearly 11, and then a two-year-old Milo, or he's nearly two. Yeah. So um, big age gap with our two kids. Yeah. Um, first boy was uh, natural, and then Milo was through IVF. Oh, wow. So, I didn't know that Milo was an IVF Yeah, mother. yeah. So um, that's just a bit of a... Um, my husband had a spinal injury, so that's mm. sort of part and parcel of the spinal injury is that you need a bit of help with all the fertility side of things. So yeah. um, we got really, really lucky, I guess, with our experience with IVF that I got like I only got a couple of sort of embryos frozen, but the second one took. So mm. um, I know that's not everyone's experience. So um, yeah. I consider us really lucky for how short that IVF road yeah. was for us. Yeah. Yeah, it did take a long time to get to the point of we ended up doing an, what they call an ICSI cycle, which is basically where they end up just taking a good egg and taking a good sperm and making it into an embryo. Okay. We started probably five years earlier in just trying to do it without an ICSI cycle, so just yeah. trying to do like artificial insemination in, um, and like the turkey basting, all of that yeah. sort of stuff. We tried all of that and it just wasn't working. So after about a couple of years of try- not that not working, we went straight to ICSI and that, mm. yeah, lucky enough to be successful. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. We were just lucky. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. really lucky. Yeah. Mm. We, I had Milo pretty much, we were, I think it was about two weeks before the due date. It was like just after Christmas. Yeah. And, um, I was just so over being pregnant. It was so hot and I'd had everyone over for Christmas and it was the dumbest thing. I don't know why I decided to do that, but (laughs) I was just so blah. And then I was like, I'm just over it. And I'd been doing this sort of like, because I hadn't done any of the birthing, I'd done nothing and I didn't do anything with um, my first boy either. So I was like just trying to scrub up on my how to have a baby yeah. knowledge. <laughs> so I did this, I found this really cool short course and I bought it, it was about a hundred bucks and I just did the online sort of education and um, the end of it, it had acupressure, like, okay. yeah, so like uh, using acupressure for pain relief during childbirth, which okay. I was like, this is hoo-ha, like there's no <laughs> way this is actually going to work. So I started like practising on all the points and then at the bottom of this PDF it's like, by the way, this can bring on labour. And I'm like two weeks. Oh, you should have read that first. <laughs> that's fine by me. Like, I didn't, And honestly, in twelve, in about 12 hours it worked for me like wow. instant. Like I was digging those points. Yeah, on, on your feet. Other yeah, on your feet. so like yeah. the, the one on my ankle, um, just on the inside of sort of of your ankle there close to um, your calf and then like there's another one just inside your the ball underneath the ball of your foot and the one on your hand and then another one on, on your wrist yep. and like yeah so they they were meant to be for pain relief during 
birth <laughs> but they also bring on that and it totally worked and I just I was in disbelief like nah man this can't yeah. work but it does uh, it worked for me anyway so in about 12 hours my waters broke and it was like that experience hadn't happened the first time so I was like okay I guess this is it <laughs> and then it was just bringing it on so eventually after about 24 hours I finally got it got it going and yeah. um yeah yeah then we went to we had um Milo at Budrum Budrum Private and it was a really really good experience there oh good yeah, yeah. I I well with their staff I, I found they were really great and um just with my husband having a spinal injury, they were really accommodating. They gave us the a big room that they'd typically have for mums that had twins. Okay. So just so he could get his chair in and, and around and sort of navigate and stay or go. Or, yeah. And it was right during COVID too, so it was a bit of a... Oh, it was just stress. Yeah, it was frustrating and it was they, they would only let one person into the room. So that was like, that was really shit because it was like if I let my husband in, he's going to need help too. So then it's like, well, I needed someone else and then I need someone else to look after my husband. So it was sort of like three people that Mm. we needed, but they were just not letting us. So Mm. we had to sort of push for that and and get that. So you were able to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, They sort of booted my mother-in-law out and then I said, well, no, she needs to come back. Yeah. (laughs) So I had my mother-in-law with us and then my, my sister, and she was really, yeah, she was great. I always thought that a quick birth is a good birth. Like that's yeah. that's the what you're hoping for. So, um, yeah, when I had Milo, I just thought, well, let's get this done. Like yep. it's happening. Let's get him out and dead set one portion. He was he was out. Oh my god! I know, right? <laughs> like it was hectic. Like it was like. I was doing it in one. Oh but anyway, it turns out it's not a good way to do it. Yeah. And I had no idea that you actually really should take your time. And yeah, to can't a, they go into a bit of shock? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they can. And he did. And yeah. it was it was horrible. So, <laughs> um, like, I just thought, all right, get him out. And so all fours, oh, my God, all fours is the way to go. It just yep. game changer for me. I got lucky enough to be able to do that. So, yeah, he just came out really quick because I was – a very fit too at the time like I was extremely fit so I was ready for it and I'd done a lot of exercise I was lucky enough to be able to do a lot of exercise through the pregnancy and just keep myself pretty fit like Mm. I just was really lucky I know not everyone can do that so Mm. um I was so ready for that birth but yeah he did he came out so quick that we're in that process of actually coming out the reason you're supposed to do it a little bit slowly is because it forces all the fluid out of the lungs so as they come out of the vagina yep (laughs) that's sort of like um it it, it's almost like it sort of squeezes the water out of their lungs and because he came straight out that didn't happen okay so he was you know blue and he was very full of fluid and they had to sort of drain that and I was like, what's going on? Like, this is, you know, I thought it was just, here we go, have him. Yeah, go home. (laughs) Yeah, and that eventually they sort of, you know, got him going again and I got lucky enough that I didn't tear this time. The first time was horrible. You had an injury the first time. Yeah, Yeah, and I didn't even realise that I had the first time. Like, I didn't realise how bad it was, but Mm. it, it was like 
it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realise till about 10 years later when I looked at my hospital discharge summary and I'm like, oh, it was like second degree tear or something. So you never had treatment for it? No, nothing. Oh, my God. I know, nothing. Oh, you would have been and, sore then. Yeah, and I just thought, oh, I was happy. I was going home with a catheter. I didn't have to pee. It was fine. No. I could take it out when I was ready. That was my first experience. But, yeah, this time I was lucky that I didn't, that didn't happen. Mm. Anyway, so... I tried to feed Milo straight away and um, he latched on no worries. That was okay. Then it sort of, uh, once I got back to the room, it's he did actually go, like I was thinking, oh, I had such a good birth experience. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, well, actually it was a bit shitty. Like he came back and I had um, been on antidepressants for about six years yeah. earlier um, and I was still on them. And so... What they didn't explain to me was that your baby will have uh, antidepressant withdrawal symptoms, which presents as these little seizures, like where they just start like shaking. And they think like, so the nurse came in, the nurse is like, why is he, like he was just doing these like jitters. Yeah. And I I didn't, I was like, oh, I guess maybe that's all right. Maybe they all do that. And she said, no, like it's either low blood sugar or it's withdrawal symptoms from the antidepressants. So he was just a mess because he was withdrawing from my high dose of antidepressants. because I was on antidepressants through my whole second pregnancy and I don't remember that happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was the one I was on at the time was called Prestique and they they try to get you off that um, and onto something else. So now I'm on Sertraline and it's not meant to happen. Yeah, yeah. So now that I'm on that, it's meant to be not as bad, but the Prestique withdrawals were were bad. Wow. Yeah. And so they took him straight off to NICU and he was in and out of NICU for about a week because he. Yeah, he had these withdrawal symptoms. He had then on top of that he had low blood sugars and he was jaundiced because he'd come out too fast and his lungs were full of water and it was just Mm. shit. And then just trying to get him to latch and then no matter what I did, like I could not get any milk. Like like I I was getting little bits and they're like, oh, no, it'll come, it'll come. But I remember with my first boy I had issues feeding as well, but I just thought it was because I was under stress at the time. Like I just didn't, couldn't physically make the milk. Mm. Um, And it ended up being like after a lot of, like I was doing all the pumping, I was doing all, I was doing everything. That is a full-time job. Full-time job. Pumping, having the ridiculous amounts of medications, trying to keep my calories up, trying to keep my stress down in the shower, trying to get it all like... It was next level Mm. trying to get that milk working. Mm. And then um, one of the nurses came in and said, oh, I think he's got a tongue tie. So I was like, oh, maybe that's it. So they came in, they nicked the tongue tie and there's always like the front one. So I think they call it a, I forget what the front tie is, an anterior and posterior tie. So if there's a front tongue tie, nine times out of ten, there's one at the back as well. Mm. So he had that. Thankfully, that nurse picked up on it and then he had that treated. But then they, when I got home and saw a lactation consultant, they said, no, look, I think you, I think he's still got another one. And then he also had ones under his lip, so mm. lip ties and then buckle ties, which is like the sides of your top of your jaw. Yeah. Um, and they said, look, that's probably impacting his ability to feed. 
So I went and dealt with that and got all those checked. Still no milk, still not nothing changing. Oh. And during all of it, during all the process, I had donor milk. I was getting donor milk from the milk bank because I sort of didn't want to go down the formula route if I could use like just get all of that early good stuff into yeah. him. So, yeah. uh, and that was expensive. You actually have to buy the donor milk from the oh, milk bank. Yeah. I thought donor milk, I would think it's you donated think, to Yeah, you. yeah, no, it's like $10. It works out to be $10 for 100 mil. It was very expensive. And mm. uh, But I was really adamant that that's what I wanted to do. So, I, yeah, once we got home from the hospital and Milo had gotten over all of his little things, we tried that and sup feeding and sup feeding through tubing and just really trying to get the breastfeeding to work because I had the experience with my older boy where I just didn't have that connection and um, at the time I didn't want it. It was I just wasn't I, I didn't have the headspace for it anyway. But with Milo I really knew the value for me in, in building that early connection. Yeah. Um, and it was so funny because my whole opinion of childbirth had just flipped on its head mm. for my second boy like it was just weird but just trying to feed and trying to feed and I went to about three different lactation consultants and um finally the last one after she figured out right he's got other ties so we cut we had all those ties cut poor little baby I just felt so awful mm. like that I couldn't do this for him and um eventually she said oh look just let me have a look at your chest like let me just see and um yeah like I've got like quite a wide gap in between my boobs and they sort of sit off to the side and she said yeah I think you've got IGT which is insufficient glandular tissue so it's it's actually a thing that you just your body you've just born with not enough milk glands like Mm. that's literally it like it's just the way that we're created it's just um hereditary Mm. so my mum also had it um and my aunties had it as well so yeah that was so interesting to find out that it's yeah it's inherited yeah did that affect you mentally not being able to absolutely straightforward breastfeed yeah absolutely like I don't think I realized how stressed out I was about the whole thing and Mm. and and, I mean it's easy enough to to say like I don't care it's like it's easy enough to not like say, oh, I don't care and I'll just put him in the bottle or, you know, listen to everyone's advice that I should just do that. But I had done that with my first son and he's ASD and ADHD and I'm like, I was just in in my head, I was like, I just want to do anything I can possibly do to contribute to things maybe being different for this boy. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. That was my own choice and I really put myself, I know in hindsight I put myself through the ring of doing it, but I just wanted to have that connection with him. Um, but, yeah, in the end I actually I couldn't. I had to always sub-feed. So I would, the max I would get is 50 mil and then everything else was supplemented no matter what I did. And that, yeah. I didn't stop feeding until about nine months. So we we really that's a, that's a pretty good, did a good a innings. Good goal, yeah, yeah, yeah we suffered. Um, but in the end when I figured out, right, I'm not going to make any more, I just put him on the boob and then once I was empty I'd just give him the bottle and top him up. Yeah, I um, did the same thing with both of my children from day dot. Yeah, and I just once I just had figured once I had figured that out, and that was the what was going to work for me. Oh, so much easier, you know. Yeah, just that mental it was load. all hard enough. That's it. Anyway, it was all so it? hard as it was, yeah. and yeah, I just I mentally couldn't keep doing it. So yeah, I just co-slept with him and just had him with me the whole time. And yeah, those first nine months was 
it was hard, but it was really beautiful, you know. So, mm. yeah. What were those early days like with Milo, um, you know, in that newborn fog? I know some people call it a bubble. Personally, I call it a fog. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it is, isn't it? It definitely um, Yeah, what was like that, that like for you? It was just hard. Like, I mean, I got lucky in that I was physically well after yeah. and I just had a super lucky story that I was okay and comfortable to feed and, and to try to, put, you know, do all those things. But it was hard. Like my, my husband has a spinal injury. So it was, it was just all me. Like I would have, mm. I, I did everything. Like it was being a single mum. Like yeah. if you came home with a newborn and then having to do his, my husband's support overnight. So it was hard. It was, so you were overnight, you were doing your husband's yeah, so anything as he well needed. As yeah. And that's just our life. We just do that anyway. But it was just it was really like someone slapping me in the face with a baby. <laughs> like, here you go, yeah. here's your life. By the way, it really is hard. So Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, it was a so it you was been really running challenging. On fumes. I was, yeah, yeah, I was. I was just exhausted and it was. It was just really, really hard. I had totally like we had had, you know, our older boys, it was ten years ago, so I'd forgotten. Thank mm. God. I probably wouldn't have done it. I've forgotten how bloody hard it was. Yeah. And let alone throwing a spinal injury and then a kid on the spectrum with ASD. And it was just, it was really hard. And yeah, I think I just had to let go of any expectations of self and just, just go with the flow. And mm. in the end, I sort of gave into it. And um, I'd done a lot of reading before I had Milo, even though I hadn't gone to the birthing classes and stuff. I'd done a lot of research on the fourth trimester and just that process of that rebirthing of yourself just mm. as much as the rebirth you know you have what I found like when I had Milo it was like I like I had a child but I was born again in yep. a way like yep. another part of me had been born yeah and that was amazing like I, I was just like oh my god I feel like I could do anything mm. now yeah, it was a really interesting time in my life because mm. I was like, no, if I, I can, I, we can do anything. Like we've we've done this, and this is really hard. So we're going to be all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were there things um, that your husband could do to be helpful? Yeah, in those early days, whether it was just it like was mostly just support. talking. Yeah. That's that's absolutely talking right. Like, it. yeah, like. Um, so I always find that analogy of a single mum is a bit hard because you know you don't have that if you don't have that emotional support if you're a single yeah. mum and I do have that like I absolutely had that and it was a lot of communication between the two of us like I just had mm. to tell him what I needed and what I needed was him just to say this is hard this really sucks and yeah. I I can't help you but you're doing you're doing a really good job mm. and he did that for months and in the end that was part of the reason we ended up co-sleeping too because um I I just couldn't physically keep getting up and and doing my husband's support and yeah it was just exhausting so I just mm. put him in the bed put him on the boob and that was it and that, I actually slept I actually yeah could get up in the morning get out of bed and mm. yeah so and I at the start had a lot of guilt around that and my and my husband too was like very well worried really worried but 
Um, about co-sleeping? Yeah, yeah especially was, with, an, in, you know, with such a small baby because yeah. typically co-sleeping, you know, it's done in third world countries where you're on a mat, you don't have big heavy doonas and like there's a whole lot of other risk factors there. With no one else getting up, with me doing every single change, like mm. just being completely, feeling completely alone with that whole process. Yeah. And, yeah, and once, and I, I, once I started sleeping next to him like I just felt us we just bonded like mm. I just felt like I had this connection with with my son and mm. and now there is a lot of stuff coming out about how important those early neural connections are sleeping next to the mother because yeah. um yeah like as if you think of yourself sleeping on your side your, your body actually creates a space for a child yeah. your, your body is molded to, to like your a kid. That's right. And so, and even with your arm, there's, there's space under there for your child to breathe. Like we are actually designed to, to be at at Mm. one with that child. So, um, I found that really, really good for for me to, um, be at, find a space where I was okay with that because it just took the load off. I could sleep, you know, and that Mm. he was a difficult baby. Like he was hard. He was, he was just awake all the time. He was crying. He wasn't getting enough food. Like he was just, Mm. you know, he needed that. So that was really nice for me to be able to do that. What did your your village look like in those early days? Like you had the emotional support from your husband. What was the other parts of your village that just got you through? Um, Well, at the time we had a support worker who had worked with us for quite a long time. She was really helpful during the day, obviously, because that, that was her job to come yeah. in and, and help out um, the whole family, not just my husband, my husband mm. in his role as a dad. And that was a bit difficult navigating that relationship, but was helpful. And my husband's mum, she okay. just loves babies. Yeah. So, so Nenen and Papa, they were just, they'd come over a lot and they had four boys themselves. So mm. they just, their support was just awesome. So, so lucky to have their support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my own, like, my mum has Lewy body disease, so she just can't help at all. She's 24-7 support. Like, so there was this, for this child, there wasn't anything from my mum, which was really sad um, and an obvious loss because my first boy, you know, my husband had just broken his neck and so my my mum was just there all the time because I was in and out of the hospital. So she was just so present for my first boy. That would be hard. And then just nothing this time so yeah. that that was shitty that was really shitty but mm. um yeah my husband's parents were great so yeah. yeah and is there anything that you did in those early days that was like a bit of self-care for you or just a bit of a break for you or did, were you not able to get those little moments well because I had done so much reading on the the fourth trimester being those first three months of when you have your child I had really prepped for it being difficult I knew it was going to be hard um so I forget the name of it but I actually bought a heap of postnatal kit and it was like all these meals and like stuff to help you with healing like and it was all about the you know like the Chinese chi whatever that keeps mm. your body warm and 
and in that recovery phase. So foods to really complement healing. Um, But Mm. I just bought that online first and it had some really nice teas in it and really good food. So I made sure I just kept eating really well and um, kept all the good stuff up. I'd do a big cook and then I'd just have those meals. And I did a lot of like moxa, like the little thing that you burn, sort of sit over your tummy and it creates like heat in the area to for healing so yeah, I did that yeah. and even even right down to like baths you would in boiling water put some like herbs and tea and you'd mm. sort of you'd sit on it or sit it underneath you and like a yoni steam yes yeah 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 so it's a really really old tradition mm. um and it's it's cleansing and it supports that healing process and yeah. it gets it all hot so I did I did all of that stuff as I could between trying to feed this baby that I couldn't actually feed yeah um yeah and but that that I think that was really important and all the exercises and stuff like if I could fit it in somewhere in the day I'd just make myself do it so I didn't always feel like I wanted to do it but Mm. I did and I I think I was really privileged I was really lucky to be able to have that you know financial backing that I could buy the stuff I needed before and have it ready to go and then not have to do as much and then yeah just heaps of healthy meals and just mm. put it in the microwave eat that I mean just made it just a got by yeah yeah, yeah yeah what point did it start to get a bit easier in general like how old was Milo when you sort of started to go oh you know it is yeah. a little bit easier probably about six six months, six months yeah, yeah like I had it in my head three months it'd just been miraculously be dif- it, different it wasn't it People wasn't at used all. to tell me with my first the first 12 weeks I really have, but after that, you'll turn a corner and it'll be fine. And I'm looking at like it's been 18 months. Like, yeah. when, when's what, it gonna get when's easier? When's it gonna get easier? I know. And and Milo and boys are clingy. Boys are so oh, my son is a koala. Yeah, yeah, they are and, and they need that. And you have mm. to be able to mentally and physically give that to yeah. them. And yeah. yeah, so for Milo, it like he was in our bed, like next to us for till he was nine months. Like mm. I and then even then, like he he's still in our bed now because he went through that regression and that's what he feels comfortable with to come back and have a cuddle. Mm. So it wasn't until, yeah, nine or ten months that he even went to, I even tried to put him out of our bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that that worked for us. That worked. And, mm. I'm yeah, absolutely, I'm so glad that we did that, yeah. Mm. It's really hard to trust your gut and go with your gut because there are so many people out there that would say, you're just making bad habits. Oh, blah, yeah, blah, blah. so much so. Um, and so I, yeah. you know, credit to you for just being yeah. like, no, this is what we need to do. And, and I, like whatever works, hey, like you're just trying to get through it. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I found too like there's so much focus on what's good for the child, what's about the child, but there's none of this focus of well, what's actually good for mum and yeah. what's good for mum is to be fed and yeah. watered and get some sleep yep. and to get some pain relief like that's what's good for mum so mm-hmm. to facilitate that if it means the baby is in the bed if it means so the baby is on the who cares like yeah. it is it's your child and I think it's only sort of the first it's I, I, for me I feel like it's a bit of a first world white man thing that sort of has thrown this concept of baby needs to be here and do this and sleep at this time and eat at mm. this time like it's I don't know it, it's doesn't it doesn't work mm. it doesn't work and it didn't work for me so I can't be the only mum that that you know didn't work yeah, for so yeah. yeah I just really started looking like when I was prepping for the birth and I'm prepping myself I did a lot of, of reading into how people do 
having children all over the world. And mm. and in most countries, it's the first 30 to 40 days you are in that bed. Yeah, your feet in, don't touch the floor. In I or around the bed, that is it. And yeah. and and I really tried to facilitate that for myself as much as I could, mm. um, you know, with given our sort of life. Yeah. Um, and, and I did and I just think that was, yeah, just the best thing and to be able to give that, have that connection with my child because I did not have that with my first boy. Like I, I couldn't be in the same room as him. I, the sound of him sleeping, I was just like, I could never sleep with it. I had to straight away have him in another room. Like mm. I was just so highly strung at that time in my life. Any, like I just what well, didn't have that connection, that lovey thing same with that people talk one. about. I feel like this kid's my brother. Like, yeah, I, honestly, I was exactly the same with my daughter. Yeah. I felt like they, I'd gone to the hospital and they said, oh, before you go, take this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go home. Good luck. <laughs> Have one of these. We've got extra. Take one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it honestly just didn't feel like my baby. It didn't at all. And I distinctly remember with my first boy saying to someone, like when my husband was in rehab with um, his spinal injury at the time, and I remember going with this baby and just like I just feel like he's my brother. Like mm. I, I felt like I, I love him, but I have zero connection. And yeah. and just that guilt around that and. And I just think that mentally where I was at that time in my life, I had no space for facilitating that connection. Like I was just getting by myself. Was the process of your older child adjusting to having a sibling? How was that process for you? Yeah, you know, it's funny because, yeah, like we talk about like a new part of the mum being born, what Mm. I always think now is that the other thing that's born is the relationship between the two it was challenging at the start because you know they're they're 10 years apart so Mm. but in the end it's just he just has a beautiful relationship with with his brother like Mm. to be fair he's two and he's starting to get annoying and that's probably gonna change (laughs) but like he he just loves him and because my husband has his injury and his hands he can't actually hold our kid or play with our kid, having a 10-year-old around that has his hands and that can just hold him or pick him up or pick up his hat off the ground or just do that basic stuff. I didn't realise how valuable it was that age gap was going to be to our family dynamic. So it's just meant to be that way. Yeah, it's just been amazing, like really, really really good he just loves him and we all just love it's just having this other little presence around the house it is just so funny like we just love it so he's just at that stage where he's into everything climbing everything just yeah. an absolute the same because they're very menace. similar age. <laughs> yeah. menace it's great though I love it but it's just like yeah. he is he's high intensity <laughs> He's so definitely funny. his dad's son. He's definitely his dad's yeah. boy. Like yeah, we came sure. out the other day and he's on top of the oven. Like he's learned how to scale the oven. <laughs> and like how'd you get up there? How did he oh, like and now like I thought because he's still in our bed and he fell out the other night in the middle of the night and cut his head. I felt so terrible. So I got one of those little things you put on the side of the bed. Yeah, little rails. So I thought that'll be great. Like that'll keep him in the bed. But it's like now a thing for him to do bloody pirouettes on. So he climbs up the side, grabs the side of this bloody rail and flips himself off it. 
So it's like it's done the opposite. I'm like trying to keep him like he's inside. Like, and he's like, oh, something else for me to climb on. <laughs> I have a girl and a boy and I've heard the boys are, they are a different animal. They are. They <laughs> are so. They are. <laughs> My God, like some days I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? It's really funny, like one of the things Milo's figured out. So once Zach, so I transfer him to bed in the ceiling hoist and, and he can't move once he's in bed. Mm. And But Milo had figured out very early if I left the room and he beat Dad, Dad would call, Bob, come in. And so he's figured out <laughs> if he smacks Dad in the head that Mum will come running. <laughs> so, like, he's just, like, he's Poor quite, he's boy. clever. But, oh, my God. Like, they're so funny, aren't they're they? So they're funny. just so funny. And just that, I just love that warmth and that, like, just the little walk and what they bring into the whole home. It's just like, oh. The little waddle. Well, they are. They, <laughs> they are just hilarious. When they figure out their words, like, he's he's not talking really at all. He's got a couple of little words, but the first mm. one was shit and it was just constant <laughs> shit, 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 shit. Like, <laughs> but now he's gone on to, like, anything else with a shh, like Sean the sheep. He calls yeah. it shh, shh, shh. He loves shh, shh, shh. But when I um, had Milo, we did so much of the food stuff. Like I, as soon as as soon as I could give him food and he could hold it, I just gave it to him. Mm. Anything, I just gave it to him to eat. Like, yeah. And is so, he a good little eater? Now? Well, he was then, but he's not now. He's not so now, it doesn't yeah. make any difference. They, yeah, they you know what I mean. Food, like you can show him everything, give him everything, and then it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> I know. Like I thought, oh, fuck, I'm onto this. Like yeah. four months. Look at him. He's got chicken out. wingdings and bloody prawns. He eats anything, this kid. Yeah. He's, what, 18 months and he'll only look at pasta and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully cheese is a good thing, but he just, I, and I yeah. don't care. Like it's what he wants to eat at the moment. So. I know. Yeah. i got to try and remove the stress. I put too much pressure on myself. Oh, God, so. yeah. That's, that's just right. Just do your own thing. Yeah. If he eats, like, I mean, I found out that cheese is good. So, I mean, that's a three course meal for him. He'll have <laughs> cheese sticks, cheese strings, grated cheese, cheese cubes. Have strong bones. Yeah. <laughs> but it's calcium. also really good for their mouth. Their bacteria oh. in the cheese, um, it, it helps clean their palate. So, it's almost like brushing oh. their teeth. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to go home and get I some know. cheese, cheese. Out for everyone. Cheese, cheese for lunch. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> well, I just wanted to ask you to finish up. Now that your children are a little bit older, what does your village look like now? What does your self-care look like now oh. compared to when Milo was I think it was actually new. better when he was brand new, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like I'd probably drink too much wine and don't get in the gym enough. Well, I just feel so time poor at the moment just with yeah. work and, and, you know, everything gets up and going again and you just got to now do it with two kids. Like it's like you just got to do everything you did before with an extra kid. Yep. <laughs> And it's hard. It's really hard. To be honest, yeah, it's not great, my self-care at the moment. I'm trying to do get in my gym or move, but I'm not doing it. I'm really it's, struggling at the moment. It's annoying to try and do it with kids. Yep. I try to have a nice 20-minute walk around the yeah. block with my kids and it takes 40 minutes to get ready Yeah, yeah. to convince yeah. them to go. It's yeah. just not worth it. So no, I it's, know what it's really mean. not. And, like, I mean, when he was little, like up to six months before he was crawling, I just put him in the in the bassinet or in, in in the um the pram and I'd sit him in the gym with me and I could just work mm. out and now he gets on me bloody elliptical and he does little <laughs> pirouettes and then he gets on my bike and he's stuck oh it's just terror so I can't I actually can't be out there with him so he yeah. has to be in bed or asleep first thing in the morning for me to get in there yeah so. and then when they are asleep the last thing you want to go and do is 
yeah, go on exercise. Want to be like, yeah, I'm just oh like, I'm God. dead now. I'm dead. I mean, I probably could get up in the morning and two hours earlier and go and work out, but at the moment, it's, then you miss out on that sleep. Then I miss out on that sleep. Oh. So it's just, yeah, it's just finding what works at the moment. And at the mm. moment, I'm not doing a lot of exercise, but it's just not working. It's just not working, and yeah. just yeah, just trying to. I'm sure I'll get to a space where I can again, but I'm just not going to put the pressure on myself. Well, I honestly, I think you are amazing for <laughs> doing all that you do. Uh, yeah, I make full credit to you. That's amazing. Oh, honestly, no, nah, it's just life. I mean, we're lucky that I can and I, mm. I do, and I. But yeah, some things have to go by the wayside sometimes. I guess you, you seem like you've got a really good mindset. Yeah, I just stopped caring, I think. I just thought you can get too invested in people, other people's opinions or thoughts, but there's no point. At the end of the day, no one gives a shit about anyone else really but themselves. Like we're all so focused on ourselves, so we may as well We need to practice not giving a shit. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Well, I'm going to practice that. Oh, my God. All right, well, thank you so much, Thank you. Thanks for the chat. Making that time. Like you are so busy, so... I new appreciation for you for making that time oh, to sit no. with me. Like I honestly, I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you for, you for being thinking open. of me. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being open and thank you. you. It was it was oh. really nice. But yeah, I had a really good morning with you. Yeah, thanks so much for coming in and hanging out in my little monkey yeah. room. <laughs> no, I love it here. It's a beautiful it is setup nice, you've got here. It's it? really I do love nice. It. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, that's all for us today. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Our Village Needs podcast and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.